And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's Expository Thursday as we work together to know the letter better into the narrative of the book of Acts. We travel to understand what things the Lord does require of us as we learn to apply God's timeless truths in our lives. First, the people. Now watch this. The people reviewed the people. We're going to talk about this in the book of Acts. Who didn't review the people for the new ministry positions? The apostles didn't review the people. The people made a selection about those who were of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and by the way, you can often tell, and full of wisdom. This means that the candidates had to be known. They were all a part of the fellowship. It was not a stranger. All of these seven people that we're going to talk about, all these dudes, by the way, all had Greek names. It's kind of funny because they were dealing with an issue that had to do with the Greek believers. Next, Stephen got an extra prop. He was full of faith. That's cool, but notice the progression. The apostles gave the instructions. The people made the choices. The apostle gave the blessings. While the prayer included everybody, the apostles were in the lead, and they laid their hands on the inductees. What's that all about? What's the laying on of the hands? It's the same thing that happened in the gospel and with Moses. And we'll review that. And finally, so what was the actual result of the problem being solved? What actually happened in the early church when they had this problem and they resolved the problem? It generated a greater unity in the church, which yielded a greater harvest. So the agreement created expansion of the kingdom. Gee, I wonder if this is something that God knew about. You know, unity, unity translating into kingdom advancement. Who would have thunk that when Jesus said, people will know by your love for one another, they will know me. Hey, let's witness through our harmony, and I ain't talking about our singing. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations, spiritual observations. My life's insanities, and oive, so much more. Hey, hey, hey. We're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can email us during the show. Hold on, let me check. Yep, it's working. David at hemustincrease.org. I had to check. It's a $1.18 Chromebook. Used to be a $1.19, but it crashed on me the other day, so it dropped up money. David at hemustincrease.org. You can text us 214 210 Or you can call us at 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you make that phone call, you won't be raptured, but you will be talking to Captain Chris, and then you'll be...
I didn't mean you'd never be raptured. I just meant when you make the call. Okay? Get it? All right. All right, bottom line is this. Wait, let me hit this one more time so I can make more thud noises in the studio. Bottom line is if you have a thought, a comment, opinion, if you have an observation, if you have a prayer request, if you have a praise report, something you want to share, something you want to talk to people about, if you want people to be praying for you on an issue or you just want to share something that's a blessing that the Lord's doing, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We think it's great. We just we just think it's fantastic. You don't have to talk perfectly. You don't have to act perfectly. I mean, have you listened to this show? <laughs> the last thing you have to do in this show is be perfect. <laughs> literally, literally, the, I mean, literally the last thing you have to do. Uh, here's your trivia question for this moment. Whose baby, now notice what I said there, whose baby, whose baby leapt in the womb when her cousin Mary came to visit her? Whose baby leapt in in the womb leapt in the womb if you think you know the answer you can call in 972-445-0770 you can text in 214-210-8483 as well you can send an email david at he must increase.org we do have somebody calling in i got to give you some other updates on a few other things, please, when you are praying for this ministry, we always want you to be praying for the ministry, even if it's just a mention. You don't have to spend nine hours praying. You can spend nine seconds praying. But please mention us, and when you do, praying for the audience, because those are your brothers and sisters, right? That's a big thing. Number two, I need prayer and wisdom in the ministry. It does look like the Lord is answering a prayer Remember, I, was, I just asked you guys, please be praying for me. I need some wisdom in uh, understanding how to approach this corporate issue. It looks like some, the Lord has brought somebody to me that will help me do that. And it's like, okay. <laughs> this is my, my new answer when God does something cool. Okie dokie. I don't even, it's like, great. I'm just so for it. It's unbelievable. So anyway, just pray that I have wisdom in, in, in how to approach that that kind of thing. So I need prayer for that. The audience needs prayer. Just praying for the audience in general. Pray that nobody's overwhelmed by fear. People are in this recovery. I really think this is a good year for recovery for people. And I, I just, you know, I could be wrong for some people, but for other people, it's kind of be like not just a relational recovery, but spiritual, maybe some physical recovery. It's just we're going to trust for that. All right, we have somebody that is going to answer the trivia question. Is that correct? Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Well, hi, David. It's Deborah. Howdy, Deborah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good, except I overworked my leg like I told Gary, so I got to stop doing that. Because that just makes me feel dumb. Because I keep doing, oh. <laughs> I keep keep wounding the wounded. It's like stop that, stop it already. So I gotta <laughs> cut it out. Anyway, uh, well, I'll pray for you. Please, please do. I was gonna tell Gary. Everybody should pray that I have cement shoes for a little while, so I stop doing dumb things. That'd probably be a good idea. Uh, Whose <laughs> who's baby leapt in the womb when her cousin Mary came to visit her? Elizabeth. That is correct, Amanda. That's right. So much for babies aren't uh, developed, involved, or anything like that. This child jumped in the womb at six months going, yeehaw. That's pretty good. I mean, that's uh, pretty good right <laughs> no there. Doubt. Excellent job, and I appreciate it very, very much. Good All work. All right, and you have a good day. All right, thank you. God bless. God bless. 
All right, so here we go. We're getting ready to get into our... Now, you guys know the show's kind of a cross between Steve Martin, Sean Hannity, and Focus on the Family. People get mad when I say that. Did you know that? They're like... Some people are like, Steve Martin, he's not fun. Sean Hannity, he's not, he's not politically correct. Focus on the Family, they're not... It's just like, oh, be quiet. <laughs> if you can't figure out that that's a description of the show, I can't help you. Okay? All right, there you go. I just thought I'd give that disclaimer to help people. Uh, we, we didn't do the ramble noise in the beginning, and I didn't do the the uh, expository yet, so we're going to do them together as we get ready to jump into the Word of God. Go ahead and do both of them. Well, I'm ramming, 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 ramming. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! All I can say is wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! All I can say is wow! No particular reason to do both of those. I just decided to. Here's the text in chapter 6 of the book of Acts. We are at verse 5. Uh, and actually, I'll back it up so you guys can just do the little ramp thing. So from verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5, And this saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose. Stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> okay, now look. There is not one form of church government in the scriptures. And then people will argue, well, in the early church, there's this way, and then it evolved into this. That's just absurdity. Sit, different situations call for different responses and different approaches. In this case, the apostles were like, look, we are busy hammering out doctrine, spending time prayer, helping this movement generate to where it can move the way that the Lord wanted it to. So why don't you guys pick out seven people that will absolutely take care of this. By the way, seven is the traditional number for the Jewish communities uh, for a public affairs committee. So it's nothing weird or bizarre about that. They all seven men had Greek names. Uh, it was only Stephen and Philip that really received further notification of this. But what I want you to understand is the church elected and the apostles ordained. Okay? Now, here's the big deal about that. It's not fully run by the people. It's not fully run by the apostles. If it was Jesus, it'd be a different story because it should always be Christ-centric. So there's not an issue there, okay? But the people chose and the apostles said, Yay! <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I'm trying to get you to understand that it's a partnership. See, the idea that leadership, the idea that there's something on the other side of the pulpit that's different than on the one other side of the pulpit is ridiculous. It's absurd. It's a partnership between everybody for the glory of Jesus Christ to the advancement of the kingdom of God and not anything else that people try to make it. Okay, we'll take our break and come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. I was uh, driving down I-30 yesterday, and it was stop-and-go traffic. There was, uh, I guess, an accident up ahead. 
So I was putting along at uh, 20 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, and this little sports car would would speed up and get right beside me, and then he'd fall back. You know, just kind of we're shuffling back and forth. He'd go, and I'd go, and he'd go, and I'd go. And I just was watching out of the corner of my eye and just kind of mindlessly driving at 20 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, I hear this little beep, 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 beep. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, what did I do? And I looked out of the corner of my eye, and he's he drove right up next to me. He had his windows rolled down, and he gave me a big old thumbs up. And I said, what's he giving me a thumbs up for? I was kind of expecting when you have somebody honking at you, you're expecting something else, you know. And uh, and then I realized I have that bumper sticker on my ah. ears that uh, it's, you know, um, God created the universe. Uh, he can write a book. And uh, And then he just sped off. Not well. He he slowly drove off at <laughs> twenty miles an hour. <laughs> but I I just thought that was neat. That's the first time that anybody's really gives a thumbs up for a bumper sticker. Usually, it, people that have bumper stickers, it's to hold their bumper on their car. But that uh, is I just awesome. wanted to share that story. That is an awesome story. First of all, it's really good that he gave you a thumbs up and didn't use any other yeah. fingers. So let's just say that's for sure. And then the other part about that is that that's cool because whether he's listening to the show or not, he agrees with you, knows that that's true. Hey, look, God created the universe. The dude can write a book. Let's just get that. Well, let's get that squared away. You know. <laughs> yes, and you know what? He might be listening to the story um, to the. To the uh, radio now. That's exactly right. What a blessing. That's cool. And we do have those bumper stickers. So now we only have so many, but we were, as we get this, we're going to do an ambassador program, and that'll give people an opportunity to put the bumper sticker on their car if they want to, and nobody wants you to do anything to your car you don't want to. But I really, really appreciate you sharing that story. And that is a great story. And see, every time we're on traffic, we think something bad's going to happen. Instead... Hey, there was something good that happened. Somebody standing with you in the faith, perhaps a fellow listener saying, right on. Just right. That's the right target. I bet that blessed you at the moment, didn't it? It sure did. Yeah. It sure did. That's cool. Yeah. That's a great story. And I love that. Oh, good job. <laughs> good good job in being an ambassador just by sharing that bumper sticker and just by proclaiming the truth. Some people will read that and they might go, oh, I don't know, but it sure challenges a lot of people, doesn't it? It's like, oh, you got to think that through, don't you? The David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. And here we go with our next trivia question. Kind of a challenge. I don't know that you need the horn, uh, we don't, but, but it's a challenging one. So it's kind of an interesting one. So I, I will give people the opportunity. We're going to skip the horn on this, but here's your here's your opportunity. What was the occupation of Moses's father-in-law? Yeah, that's kind of like ooh, that's that's definitely on the tougher side. So if you're really not sure, kind of like where to look. You know you're going to be in the Torah, which is going to be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You know you're going to be in the first five books, okay? And you want to hunt down in the back of your book, Moses, and you want to hunt down, you know, the the different things. I 
off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure his name's Jethro. So, I mean, you just want to double check. Find out what he did. That's a kind of a ooh, 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 challenge, challenge. Find out what he did. Okay? That's, that's what I'm looking for. What did he do for, you know, what, what, what was he known by? It's kind of like what we're looking for, okay? Does that make sense? All right. Uh, for those that are trying to figure out how to reach us, 972-445-0770. Also, you can text in 214-210-8483. Don't be afraid if you don't know the answer for sure and you think, I think it's maybe that you didn't guess. It's not like, oh, you guessed wrong. Ooh. I mean, don't do that. And then you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. Uh, it does look like somebody is ready. They're ready? Ready? Feeling? Ooh. Somebody's feeling brave. That's all I can say. Here we go. There we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Yes, sir. This is Will Rogers. Hey, sir. How are you? I'm great. I hope you're more better. I'm what a beautiful day. Beautiful day. Absolutely wonderful. That's right. Beautiful day. By the grace of God, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, you ready for this one? Yes, sir. Okay. This is a toughie, so I'm, I'm looking for it. I'm going to do what I can if you can't, but I, I feel confident. What was the occupation of Moses' father-in-law? Well, I think he was a shepherd and a priest of Midian. That is correct, Amundo! You hit the, the trifecta. In the well, it's actually a, what's a two-factor? I don't know. It's you hit both of them. Here's the bottom line: he was a priest of the Midians, plus he did a little shepherding, little family biz there, right? That's exactly yep. what I was keying in on, though. He was the priest, and a lot of people don't realize that Moses married into a family that uh, probably, to some degree, uh, maybe helped him prepare. As that first forty years, he was a little early in ministry. The next 40 years, he was on the backside of a desert. Then the last 40 years, he was leading the children of Israel. So it might have been a little bit of preparation, a little bit of family orientation that helped him get there as well. Very good. Yep. Good job, sir. Excellent. Did you yes, know that sir. right off the top of your head? Did you know that? Yeah. You are amazing. I call you amazing. You can go around and tell people, today, I am amazing. Let's call him amazing. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Great job, my you brother. You have a blessed day, sir. All right, you too. Bye-bye. All right, great job. Absolutely. I love it when we get stuff like this. All right, now I'm going to have to ask you to bear with me. Because this is a Yiddish joke, and it's long. Okay? Now, if you ever retell these jokes, you can rip them apart. That's fine. But I got to do it the best I can. Okay? All right. All right, ready? <laughs> this is a little long, but you you just got to understand that in Jewish jokes, it's always the last line. Okay? Right. Woman calls up her friend and says, Becky, I understand you got a new apartment. Becky says, I do. I got a pretty apartment. You want to come visit? I'd love to visit. I don't know where you live. You got to give me the directions. I live on 1486-86 Street. You get off the train at the 86th Street, you'll see a big apartment complex. You push open the door, you'll be able to call you'll be able to call in what we call a vestibule. In the vestibule, there's a list of bells. I'm apartment four B. With the left elbow, press four B. I'll ring upstairs, and as soon as I hear the ring, I'll buzz you in. 
When you hear the buzz, with your right elbow, press the inside of the door, push open the door, go straight ahead to the elevator. With the el left elbow, press up. You get in the elevator with the right elbow, press 4 on the fourth floor. The door will open. You go straight to my apartment, 4B. You'll ring the doorbell with your right elbow. Give it a complete knock with the left elbow, and I'll answer the door. You'll come in. We'll have coffee. Her friend interrupts her. What kind of directions are these with, with the elbows and the left elbow and the right elbow, the knocking of the elbow and all the other elbows? Peggy says, what, you're coming empty-handed? See, see, see how people. For those of you that are just still scratching your head, there's nothing I can do for you. Zero. See, she has to do everything by elbows because she's carrying gifts. You see. So, to the teaching we go. <laughs> Sometimes I think Chris and I are having more fun. All right, back to verse five. Uh, pick it back up actually from verse three. Therefore, brethren. Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that we may appoint uh, them over this business. We'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this, seeing, this saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, and uh, Permenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Okay, let me just explain that. So when it says when they had prayed, that means when they all had prayed, okay? But primarily, the apostles are leading the prayer. We just talked about this a second ago. This is a joint effort. This governmental structure for the church, having people do administrative work, notice that there was more administrative work more than uh, what we saw apostolic work. Apostolic, people who are apostles, are, are can be selected by apostles, can be selected by the Lord. It's not usually the people that do that, but the people do elect positions that have to do with administration, running things, taking things. And, and these are not people that don't preach. These are just people that have a f high focus on doing the distribution. That was their task. And as they are selected, they select seven guys, seven people, all Greek names, and they are set them before the apostles. So the people choose, and the apostles get ready to, to pray over them. And the scripture says that they laid their hands on them. So I want you to understand what that has to do with. In the Old Testament, the laying out of hands had uh, probably three primaries, we'll, we'll say. Number one was to confer a blessing. Number two was to commission. And number three was to transfer guilt of sin to sacrifice. Okay, So the laying out of the hands in the Old Testament, conferring a blessing, commission— Right? We commission you to do this, and then transference of sin to sacrifice. In the New Testament, you could say that those are in play, but it also adds these. Healing, the process of healing, demonstrating the power of God, the, par the process of blessing, the, the process of imparting, the process of commissioning, just like in the Old Testament, the process of ordaining, 
and even in symbolic sense, the transfer of guilt to sinner or guilt to sin. So the idea, the idea behind this is when they're laying their hands on it, they're giving their favor to it in this situation, they're ordaining them for this position, they're commissioning them for this position, they're blessing them for this commission, and they're imparting to them for this commission. I once uh, was praying for this young lady uh, with uh, one of my best friends, and she was not very well versed. And I, you know, typically if I pray for people when I'm close to them, I'll put my hand on their shoulder or whatever the case may be, or we'll stretch out my hands and pray for them, kind of like a little, a little charismatic-y, not a lot, kind of a charismatic light, right? And my friend was wise enough to recognize she did not know what that meant. So he stopped the process and explained it. And then she was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, let's do that. I mean, it's like, in other words, it really helped her to understand what was going on while we were praying for a particular healing in, in this particular realm. By the way, I will tell you this, that the Lord actually healed her. So it was just like, you can't, there's nothing anybody's going to say. It's like, oh, well, who cares? You know, it's like, that, it's what happened. You know, nobody can change that. And uh, she was uh, anorexic and she is no longer. I was like, well, no, that's a forever disease, not for her. <laughs> so that's my, my statement to that. So the bottom line is that's a, a process. My mistake was doing that without recognizing that some people don't know that. So if you are going to do that with somebody, you, you might want to explain beforehand. Sometimes when you pray, it's like this or it's like this. You're not trying to be weird. You're not trying to be spooky. You're not trying to have a show. You don't have lights behind you. You don't have music building up. But lay hands on them. You just, you're just extending your faith, and that's why you'll hear the pastors in many churches say, stretch your hands this way. You ever heard that expression? Stretch your hands this way, probably pray for them. And that's just an extension of your faith. It's a physical act that extends the faith that's inside you to join with that. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's totally fine. It's totally normal. And, uh, and you can be Baptist and do this. You can be Pentecostal and do this. You can be Church of Christ and do this. You can be Catholic and do this. You can do any of those. That's fine. Just understand what it is and what the idea is. In the New Testament, there's a lot more blessing and healing that takes place and imparting than, than even in the Old Testament. So it's kind of a cool process. They lay their hands on them. Boom. Th things are great. It's what happens next that sets the whole thing apart. Okay? So to this point, they've had a problem. They've dealt with the problem. They were honest about it. They they came up with a solution to the problem. They enacted that solution to the problem. It involved everybody in the church. Problem solved. What's the result? That's what we're going to talk about when we come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. Don't go anywhere. Who is David Spoon? I have no idea. People have asked me about the David Spoon experience. They wanted to know what I thought of him. Like any person searching for answers, I have wondered about him. He was born and raised Jewish and after intense drug use, became a Christian. He's married to his best friend, Noel, has three children, six grandchildren, plus two dogs named Levi and Bert. He has three separate ordinations from three different denominations and is a summa cum laude for his B.A. degree in ministry and leadership, as well as a master's degree of theological studies and is involved in a Ph.D. program. He has a weird sense of humor and talks. 
a lot. If people are seeking wisdom and insight from the great teachers around the world, would they go to David? No, I don't think so. And those big ears really don't help him. But would they enjoy his perspective on life, culture, politics, food, sports, local and national news? I don't know. I guess people will have to listen to find out. What is the David Spoon experience? My guest on the phone today is absolutely no exception and is one of the top tiers. Uh, I want to say welcome to Dr. David Jeremiah from Turning Point. Dr. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you. It's great to have you on the show. I was doing a little bit of research, and I just wanted to ask you, because I want to talk about the new book, and I want to talk about the study Bible you just released and Turning Point, but I was going over some of the materials you've done, and I, and I, on my list I have that you've done at this point, and if I'm wrong, correct me, uh, at least 53 books with three New York Times bestsellers and one about to be a fourth New York Times bestseller, 100 Bible study guides, and you sold more than 4 million books. Is that right? Well, you know more about that than I do, but that sounds that sounds probably about right. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. So everybody who's uh, listening to this uh, uh, broadcast right now certainly, I'm sure, wants to send out their appreciation for you taking the time and committing yourself to this process. I was uh, going through your background, and, and as I was reading it, I understand that you actually accepted the Lord as your uh, Savior when you were 14. Is that right? That's about right. Yeah, that's about how old I was. Yeah. So you were you were young when you came into the faith. Actually, I I really had a head start in many respects because I was born into the family of a pastor, and I heard the gospel many many times and probably had some preliminary experiences before I truly understood it for myself at that age. <clears throat> so I was blessed to be brought up in a Christian home with with the message of the gospel very very familiar to me. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Don't want to forget that, right? Here's your next big trivia question. The very, very class, classic question. You guys should know this. Many of you will, uh, but you're welcome to guess if you do not know. Who rebuked King David? When he killed Uriah in order to take his wife. Who rebuked King David when he killed Uriah in order to take his wife? If you think you know the answer, you can call in at 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. And you as well, you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. It is here that we send you to the website where we encourage you to give because we need money to do the show. Can't, can't explain that any clearer. Get a tax receipt at the end of the uh, year thing there. What is it? Tax, tax deductible thingy there. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> Nothing but a professional top-notch operation <laughs> on a regular basis. And you usually get an email and a PDF. I don't send cards. I had to do 500 cards at my bar mitzvah. I don't do cards. Cards are over. Anyway, go to he must increase.org. 
prayer request? HeMustIncrease.org Praise report? HeMustIncrease.org Looking to give to this ministry? HeMustIncrease.org Confused by what's happening right now? HeMustIncrease.org HeMustIncrease.org What noise is that? What is that noise? That's that's what the website sounds like. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, the trivia question. I'll give people a chance because some people are getting it, some people are not. Who rebuked King David when he killed Uriah in order to take his wife? Here's your only hint. It was a prophet. Okay. It was a prophet. No, we're not talking about what you have excess once you've spent and once you've Okay. Yeah. Actually, my child did answer that at a Sunday school. The teacher came and said, "You know, you told me what a prophet was." I go, "What do you say?" Now, I'm not kidding. This actually happened. This was at George Rayburn's church. That's the money you have left over after you've done all the costs. <laughs> I was thinking, my kids. Okay. Uh, who was that? Who did that? We got somebody calling in. You are welcome to. Text in, by the way, even if you're not sure, you're welcome to do it. That's part of it. You can call in 972-445-0770. Text in 214-210-8483 or send an email, david at he must increase.org. We ready? Ready? Somebody's calling in. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, this is Annika. Hi, Annika. It's so wonderful to hear your voice. <laughs> Thanks. It's good to hear you, Les. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good, except I overworked my leg yesterday because I'm an idiot. Uh, but, but So I got to be a little more careful. And Noelle said, you're not going to the gym today or tomorrow, pal. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I hope a speedy recovery and uh, keep up the good work getting better and better with it. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. All right. Here is a great trivia question. A lot of people are going, hmm, not sure. You need to help people on this one. Here we go, Annika. Who rebuked King David when he killed Uriah in order to take his wife? Who rebuked King David? In Nathan, wouldn't it? That is correct, Amundo! <laughs> Nathan the prophet gave him that yes. story, and then he said, David goes, oh, that's terrible. Whoever did that, that's awful. And then Nathan goes, you are the man. Although I like King James where it goes, thou art the man. You know, it's like... Yes, you, very, you, very true. Yeah, yes. it's an excellent job there. I, I wanted to bring up about you. Now, don't you have an anniversary, three-year anniversary coming up on March 18th? I do. How did you... That is a remarkable memory. You are... One hundred percent correct. It'll be two weeks from tomorrow. Will be ah, the it's coming three. Fast. Yeah, I know it's so amazing. It'll be three weeks here in the studio here in at KAAM. Three weeks? You mean three years? Three years. I'm sorry. So yeah, just it, just feels like three weeks. Well, that's right? right. It's so fast. <laughs> I can't even keep time. Or that's what the that's what the last police officer said. No, I, <laughs> no. Two two weeks from tomorrow will be three years that we've been on the radio here. That's correct. That's incredible. Well, yeah. I wish I had gotten in early on when you first. Um... When you first were on the air, but I'm trying to catch up by listening and going back and uh, listening to some of the past shows, and uh, I've really benefited. So keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Some of the early shows were a little goofy. 
<laughs> but then so are these ones, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it fun to learn. Exactly. I'm with you on that one, 100%. All right. Well, we'll, uh, okay. we'll be keeping you in mind with your anniversary coming up. Thank you. God bless you All so right. much. I appreciate it. God bless. It. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Wonderful. Annika and Neil, just terrific people. You know, that's one thing we have that, that I, 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 it's not that we didn't have terrific people in San Diego, but here I get to talk to them on a much more regular basis. I love that. It's my favorite uh, part of it. Okay. All right. So, uh, so I was in San Diego for those that don't know, and then moved out here because my children were having children and I was worried. (laughs) Let's just be honest. (laughs) I was quite concerned. Just telling you, I was like, "Uh oh!" <laughs> so uh, that's uh, how that all happened. All right, so it was Nathan the Prophet. So for those that want to check that out, just look under the story of Uriah the Hittite. You'll follow it across. It'll, it'll kind of tell you. Actually, we did an uh, expository on that one time. I think there was seventeen or thirteen, thirteen or seventeen sins that David committed in this sm- small little period of time. It's like, wow, whoops. Right? Not good. All right. Do we cover everything? Uh, We didn't do uh, history. We'll do that in the next segment because this segment's a little uh, more profound. Okay? So here's the next portion of this text. I want to make sure you find the buildup to this and follow it along. Well, the people, you know, they had chosen, and the apostles and the people worked together. Keep that in mind. So anybody who's uh, got the mindset, well, it can only be uh, congregationally driven or it can only be eldership driven. It's like that that's not even the case in the very, very beginning of the very, very beginning. It's like it wasn't either. It was both. It's like it's both. It's the congregation and the eldership working together in partnership. The, scene, the saying that the apostles gave pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, blah, 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 blah. Verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on him. Verse 7, this is the biggest part of this, and this is the part that people miss because it's easy to miss because it's not as exciting as some of the miracles and some of the things that take place, some of the deep persecution. But this, these are the verses that, that make Acts the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. The result of dealing with a problem was not just, oh, well, peace. Okay, so they're not beating each other up. That's good. They resolved a problem by following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The apostles didn't take a defensive or self-justifying position. The people didn't get over-aggravated. They worked together in a partnership, and the result of being led by the Spirit and not taking things personally and working it together was the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, the unity laid the foundation for the proclamation and its effectiveness in the sense of how it was delivered amongst the people to others. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly. I want to say this in a super nice way. I happen to be a huge fan of the Billy Graham uh, uh, 
Billy Graham meetings. He is involved with that. My landlord's still connected to the Billy Graham Ministry Association. I just think it's great. Billy Graham Evangelistical Association. He would have meetings, and thousands and thousands of people would make decisions for Christ. And I just really acknowledge that. I think it's just one of the most wonderful things. But the people in Jerusalem, when they would make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, knew that they were going to be targeted. And still, because of the unity of the believers and because of the maturity in their processes, there was a great multiplication of disciples. It's just like, wow. It was so impacting that people, even though they were going to have a target on their back, said, yeah, I'm in this. I love this. This is what this this is this has purpose. This is this this not just speaks to me, it connects to me in the deepest part of my of my being and I know this is true. Boom. All all as a result of how they handled the issue. They didn't skirt it. They didn't self-justify, they didn't blame, they didn't try and over-socialize, they didn't do that. They didn't bring in an outsider, <laughs> just saying, don't get mad about it, but the people were supposed to choose somebody amongst them, so it had to be somebody who was involved with them, somebody who was involved, committed to it, involved in the process, and they chose, and the apostles blessed, and they laid their hands on it, and then there was just a powerful explosion of the Holy Spirit moving upon people sharing the gospel and the advancement of the kingdom of God right there in Jerusalem. I was just like, wow. Remember, just after this event comes up, as you'll find out, there's going to be a tremendous accusation, a tremendous persecution against the church. And don't think it came out of nowhere. It was building up. And so they were building up, building up, building up. And then next week we're going to get into Stephen and talk about him and how he's like the first true martyr that, of, of the new church. But before all that, recognize this. And this is the lesson in the book of Acts. The church was united. They solved issues together. The leadership and the people worked as one, and the result was they advanced the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people got saved. You are likely saved as a result of that outflowing as well. Think of that. Wow, that's deep. All right, folks, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Going to take a short break, then come back. Don't go anywhere. Most of my life, it feels like I've been running, running and running and running. Kevin Chris here from the David Spoon Experience. I help coordinate the radio show, and we're looking for a few good people to join our crew and become representatives, ambassadors, and stewards of the radio ministry. Now, you may be thinking, well, gee, I'd love to get involved, but I'm not very qualified for ministerial positions. Me too! The truth is that because you are a child of our Heavenly Father, that you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you seek to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, you already have all that you need to have to be part of this ministry. Uh, but Chris, don't I need to be perfect? <laughs> no! 
just go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Click on the three lines at the top right of the website, and then click on the Ambassador's Initiative link. Fill out the form, and we will reach out to you. Sorry, no parking tickets will be paid for you as an ambassador through this position, so you may appeal to a higher power. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know how you keep going? Do you know how you keep putting one foot in front of the other? Do you know how you don't give up? Do you know how you don't quit even though you want to quit? You fix your eyes on Jesus. You see with God. When Peter went out of that boat and stepped on that water, there is no natural principle in the world, in, in, in any normal universe, that would allow Peter to walk on water. But he did one thing well. He looked at Jesus, and as he was looking at Jesus, the Bible says he walked on the water. He looked at his situation, just focusing at Jesus. Then he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he saw the winds and the waves, and he sank. He lost the correct attitude when he stopped seeing with Jesus in the picture. Whatever you see, whatever you face, whatever you encounter, do not see it or face it in the natural. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So everything you see, you must insert the picture of Jesus. The David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the Truth Station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the Truth Station here in Texas. Here's your next and last trivia question. Here we go. It's sad because it's the last one, but it is the last one, so here we go. What patriarch gave his brother lentil stew? What patriarch gave his brother lentil stew? Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is something a little different, if you don't mind. Right? Before you answer it, slow down. Slow. What brother gave his gave his what lentil stew? Uh, give me an address, if you can, of where it's located. That's not very nice of me, is it? I shouldn't ask those questions that way, huh? All right, what are you going to do? Huh. Uh, what, bra- what brother gave you? Okay, okay. All right, there we go. All right. Uh, if you think you know the answer, 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483. So 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. You can send an email, David, at he must increase. Dot org. We already have somebody ready to answer. Bing, ding, ding. That's fast, isn't it? All right, here we go. Ready? This is David. Who am I talking to? Oh, this is Bobby. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Bobby. I am doing fantastic. 
I think it's uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. That's right. And so which one gave which to which? Uh, Esau, I mean, uh, Jacob gave uh, his brother Esau the lentils uh, for his uh, inheritance. That is correct, Amanda! And I'm not sure exactly what chapter. I know it's in Genesis, but I think it's around the 35th, 38th chapter, something like that. All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a quick hint on that, just because we're working it together. How many years is a quarter of a century? Fifty. No quarter. Oh, a quarter of a century. A quarter of a century. Twenty-five. It's chapter twenty-five of Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Happy anniversary if I don't get uh, to talk to you again. I appreciate that, brother, very, very much. I really do an excellent job on that trivia question. Very, very good. Thank you. God bless you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. See, that's why that passage is really good, especially if you get into this in Hebrews, but you find out that Esau tried to seek repentance. You just read Hebrews, you're going to go, uh-oh. And couldn't find it. That's for all our people who are thinking, I'll just confess it at my deathbed, that uh, all my sins were bad and I need Jesus. I'll just do that right before I die. You better hope God lets you. <laughs> I said, ooh, that's not very nice, is it? Uh, in the meantime, uh, we're going to do something again a little different because we don't do anything normal on this show. We're going to do our history now, and then I'm going to do a teaching, a little bit of teaching. We're going to, we're done with our Acts teaching. I got a separate thing I want to talk about. Uh, so let's do history, and then we'll go into this other portion. Let's go Okay, um, this this has a multitude of weird responses. Can I? I can, this has got like so many weird days. This might be the weirdest holiday day yet. I mean, this is really weird. Ready? Here's the first one. It's if pets had thumbs day. Now, see, you are a big fan of battery and thumbs, but this is pets having thumbs. I'm a fan of my thumbs, not my pets. Okay, I, I agree with you on that one. Number two, it's soup it forward day. What does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea. I told you this was weird, right? Then it's this. This everybody can buy into, I think. National Cold Cuts Day. I mean, how do you, I mean, how could you, can't, can't have a problem with that. I don't know how at the same time it's Canadian Bacon Day, but it is. But I like Canadian bacon, so I don't have a problem with that. And it's 33 Flavors Day. It's a Baskin Robbins y kind of thingy. So uh, that was back in. 1970. Now there's 4,365. I mean, there's so many flavors now. It is uh, National Anthem Day, Star Spangled Banners. The song's been around for over 200 years. Never written in the proper key, but that wasn't that, that really the, that big a deal about it. Uh, the United States uh, Mint was created by the United States Congress. Uh, this is good for hockey fans. The first ever organized indoor game of ice hockey was played on this day in 1875. Well, that's kind of amazing, right? And last but not least, uh, 19, well, maybe this is least, I should say. 1923 Time Magazine published its uh, first Time Magazine, 1923, and the next day everybody knew time was irrelevant. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Just couldn't, couldn't pass it up. There's a magazine that's only 50 years behind every headline. Anyway, uh, I want to talk to you about something because we got a lot of stuff going on. 
in the world and people are freaking out and so on and so forth. And they are. And I, I you, you can say that you don't know what's going to happen. And, and let's just say this. No matter what happens today, you still don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, that's a fair assessment. And uh, what's great about being a child of the Most High God is he does. So even though you don't know what's around the corner, you know him who is is around the corner, and that's the biggest part of this. So I want to talk to you about this portion in the book of Daniel. It's not going to get into the Daniel expository teach. I just want you to hear this one scripture and understand it has eschatological applications, which means it's involved in how the end times is viewed. It's involved in the schematic of the end times, the system of the end times. But it also has what we call the DAP, the dynamic application principle, which means it applies to you as well. And this is a very important part of this for all of us to uh, to walk in, okay? So I'm going to read it, but then I'm going to pull out of it on purpose different things, if, if that's okay with everybody. If it's not, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. This is Daniel chapter 12. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. There will be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came into existence. But at that time... Every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. So before you get into the deeper theologies and the 70 weeks and how it may or may not apply and, you know, all of that material, I don't want you to do that for a split second. You can do that later on when, we, when we're done. We only got five minutes. You might as well enjoy it. Michael the archangel is guarding over the nation. That's good because that's the guy that throws Satan out of heaven. So good guy. <laughs> good guy to have, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, that's solid. But then the scripture makes reference that there'll be a time of anguish. And many of us go through anguish times. We go through times where there's uh, you almost don't even know how to process it. So I go through, you think, well, gosh, Dave, you seem to be cheery and you have you know, a lot of faith. What, what kind of anguish do you go through? Not all my family members are saved. That's a drag. I pray for them every day, have been praying for them every day for 43 years. I don't see their salvation coming into play, but I hope it comes into play. You know what I'm saying? But that's anguishing because it's like, that's a drag. But it's a, it's a bigger drag because I get mad because I think they're stupid. So, I mean, it's like, it's more of that struggle too, you know what I mean? I'm just being honest with you. But anyway, so there's this anguish that's going to come. And when you go through that, when I was reading this in my devotions, I was like, oh, Lord, I felt anguish at different times in different ways. I know this is a much greater anguish or whatever. But then that next verse says this, but at that time, every one of your people whose names is written in the book, in the book will be rescued. And I look at that, and I understand it from an end times point of view, but I look at that as something that's applicable to me right now, whether we're in that last stage or not. It's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing that even though we go through anguish, God makes this commitment that because our name is in the book, we will be rescued. Does that mean we will suffer nothing? No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say you'll go through nothing. In fact, if you... Read chapter 11 and chapter 12, you find out quite the opposite, right? And I love uh, premillennial dispensationalism, and I love pre-trib rapture. I love, 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 hope it's exactly right. Hope everybody's wrong. Hope they're right. That would be perfect. But I am prepared for it if it's not, and so should everybody else be. Hopefully it'll be that way. Maybe it won't be that. I don't know. Here's what I know. 
God will rescue me, period. How much does that mean you got to put up with? I don't know. I'm not sure what that answer is. I think it's probably different for everybody, I would assume, to some degree. But what I count on is that there's going to be a deliverance because God made this commitment to rescue me. And I count on that. And maybe I don't see how it's going to come about, or I don't under certainly I don't understand how it's going to come about. So I'll just say that right off the bat. I don't know the workings of God. I just know the quality of God from my relationship with God. And his word is something I can rely on, and he promises to rescue me. Now, can that apply to uh, circumstances? Of course. Of course it can. But ultimately, from all of this mess, we have a city that we are looking forward to that's not of this earth, a city whose builder and maker is God, and our citizenship is there. We do what we can here, but we never take our eyes off of the real homeland for the Christian. And that's God's city that he built for us. And he will rescue us. Don't be afraid. Rescue is coming. Okay? All right. All right, folks, you've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Taking a 22-and-a-half-hour break. Then we'll come back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. Views and opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.